Online, a very good evening to you. Welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pierce. Thank you so much for joining me this Friday evening. Coming up in today's broadcast, we take a look at youth devotion to the Rosary and we also talk about the International Nurses' Day, observed annually on the 12th of May. But first, do stay with me as I'm about to bring you up to date with just some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. So do stay with me. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. And in your headlines this Friday evening, Pope Francis is in Fatima, Portugal. London Conference on Somalia tackles drought, security reform. And Refugee Food Festival expands to 13 cities in Europe. Good evening once again. I'm Sheila Pirish. Pope Francis has arrived in Fatima, Portugal, making it his 18th apostolic journey. Chris Alcieri reports from Fatima. Twelve and one-half thousand people officially signed on to one of the official international pilgrimages. 450 volunteers inside the sanctuary area proper, anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 others throughout the civil parish of Fatima, 600,000 to a million pilgrims from all around the world expected to take part in the centenary celebrations. Those are just a few. The Portuguese government has given employees permission to miss work in order to attend the celebrations, while police, fire, medical, civil protection, and a dozen other auxiliary public order services have called in reinforcement from every corner of the country and put them on forced overtime. People brave chilly wind and driving rain to take a walking turn around that tiny chapel, Though I hasten to add that until this morning, Friday morning, May 12, 2017, the eve of the 100th anniversary of the first apparition of Our Lady to the three shepherd children, two of whom are to be declared saints in heaven on Saturday, the anniversary proper, no one has had to brave more than ten minutes of rain at a stretch. But several hundred and perhaps several thousand pilgrims singing Marian hymns and walking in torchlight procession really cannot fail to move even the hardest of hard-boiled observers. That, I believe, is the key to Pope Francis' visit, his confidence in the message of Fatima, at bottom a call to conversion, to reach a world that sorely needs it, and for the Christian faithful to be the carriers of that message into the world, by means of simple acts of pious devotion that have immense power, not to persuade, but to attract. In Fatima, I'm Chris Ultieri. May the 13th is a very special date for Pope Francis. Not only does this year mark the 100th anniversary of the Fatima apparitions, but it will also be the 25th anniversary of the day Pope Francis was appointed Auxiliary Bishop of Buenos Aires. This was the end of a long exile in Cordoba, Argentina. This was the end of a long exile in Cordoba, Argentina. 
Journalists Javier Camara and Sebastian Fafin explain this trial period of the Pope's life in the book That Francis. If the Pope says that he went through a time of purification in Cordoba, it means that it was a special time for him and the church today. He was provincial of the order in Argentina at a young age. It was at a very politically and economically charged time. It was also the time of post-Vatican II in the church and with the great ideological revolution. He then had to make decisions that generated both love and hate. Perhaps this fact strengthened the Holy Father's devotion to the Virgin of Fatima. He spoke of her in his first Angelus as Pope, and now a personally visitor, just as his predecessors did. Paul VI traveled to pray for peace due to the Cold War in 1967. John Paul II beatified two of their visionaries in 2000, and Benedict XVI visited the shrine in 2010. And in African news, the Moroccan peacekeeper reported as missing in the Central African Republic CAR following an attack on a convoy has now been found dead. The UN spokesperson has confirmed. His death brings the number of soldiers killed during the attack to five, with eight wounded. The soldiers serving with the UN mission in the country, MINUSCA, left Rafai on Monday night to travel to Bangasos when their convoy was ambushed by armed elements near the village of Yogofongo, 20 kilometers from their destinations. Here is UN spokesperson Stefan Dujahik. Mr. Lacroix will convey the Secretary General's strong support for the UN peacekeeping mission to assist with the authorities and the people of the Central African Republic in their efforts to bring lasting peace and stability to their country. Mr. Lacroix is also expected to meet with senior officials from the Central African Republic, as well, of course, as the mission's leadership. Heads of state from East Africa and international partners have rallied to support Somalia as it faces a devastating drought. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres was among those addressing a conference in London on Thursday, hosted by the United Kingdom government. Dian Pan reports from UN News. As the UN chief pointed out, the drought is Somalia's most pressing priority. It's the result from three consecutive years of failed rains in some parts of the country, putting millions at risk of famine. Mohamed Abdullahi Mohamed, known as Famajo, is the country's president who was appointed in February. He recalled the last famine just six years ago, which killed more than 260,000 people. At the time, I recall it raising the alarm bells myself at the UN Security Council meeting as Prime Minister of Somalia. Sadly, we did not manage to mobilize in time back then. This time, I believe we are in a different situation and with a strong partnership and Somali leadership at the federal and state level, we must turn the situation around. The London conference also sought to accelerate progress in several key areas in Somalia, including security sector reform. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres spoke of the national forces' ongoing battle against the extremist group Al-Shabaab. We need to make sure that we are able to be coordinating in supporting the Somali government to build up the Somali National Army and the Somali police. What we have had until now are different efforts by different countries doing different training programs in different areas of the country that do not match and do not create the conditions for a unified national army and a unified police force. It's time to overcome this lack of coordination. 
The UN chief has also welcomed Somalia's first national development plan in 35 years. It also includes ways to mitigate the root cause of cyclical drought, according to the country's leader. Once again, Somalia President Mohamed Abdullahi Mohamed Fomajo. In our resilience pillar, we speak of a desire for Somalia to stand on its own feet and manage its problems and challenges itself. We want to reduce our humanitarian caseload by connecting our people with developmental situations and priorities in place of humanitarian actions. The UN Secretary General also used the occasion to express his sadness at the death of Somalia's Public Works Minister. Abbas Abdullahi Sheikh Siraji was killed last week during a shootout between bodyguards. The UN chief recalled that the 31-year-old official, who had grown up in a refugee camp in Kenya, had become a powerful symbol of Somali's hopes for the future. In other news, the Vatican cricket team has returned from Fatima, where they participated in an interfaith tournament with teams of other religions, such as Muslims, Hindus, and Jews. They say that they want to align their mission with the interreligious mission of Pope Francis, both on and off the field. So um, it's a way of building bridges and showing that authentic religious experience can unite people. It's not something that's divisive. And on the field you had Hindu, Muslim, um, it was Anglicans and Catholic priests and seminarians playing together. That in itself is an image that suggests something to the world that authentic religion, religious experience can unite people. It's friendship through cricket. On the cricket field there are no enemies, there are no Catholics, there are no Protestants. So. Uh, this cricket field gives a good base, good platform f- to build upon friendship, to build upon harmony, to build upon love. The Dublin native manager says that this unity was able to be seen during their trip, both in the camaraderie that is built on the field with others and the special moments of prayer between the team. The St. Peter's players all dedicated themselves to Our Lady of Fatima since they are seminarians and priests who happen to play cricket and not the other way around. The favorite moment at Fatima was our trip to the Shrine of Fatima and we dedicated and consecrated the team to Our Lady of Fatima on her 100th apparition, 100th anniversary of apparition at Fatima. Uh, We prayed together the rosary at the Shrine of Fatima and it was a great moment for me and for all all the members of the team. Who knows in the in the area of spiritual providence that Our Lady brings us to Fatima um, through the medium of cricket for the 100th apparition of Fatima. Perhaps in some way that is suggestive that we are doing something that serves the Lord's kingdom. After playing five three-hour games in Fatima and winning four of the five, the team has returned to Rome. They will continue to compete with all 15 members of their team, where all seminarians or priests studying in the Eternal City. And finally, a civil society-led strategy to showcase refugees' cooking talents and facilitate their integration called Refugee Food Festival is expanding to 13 major European cities in 2017. Now, that's according to the UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR, who made the announcement on Thursday. Joslyn Sambira has more. 
The French-born initiative started last year through a partnership between the NGO Food Sweet Food and UNHCR, with the support of partners, citizens, local authorities, restaurants, and private businesses. This year's edition of the Refugee Food Festival will take place in Paris, Brussels, Madrid, Athens, Amsterdam, Florence, Rome, Milan, Bari. Marseille, Bordeaux, Lyon, and Lille, as part of World Refugee Celebrations. The first event took place in Paris in 2016. Between June 15 and 30, more than 50 restaurants will open their kitchens to refugee chefs from Afghanistan, Eritrea, Iran, Somalia, Syria, and Ukraine, to name a few. Other cities have expressed their interest and might follow. And that was a brief look at some of the stories that have made headlines today. Thank you once again for joining me. You're listening to Catholic View, program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Coming up next, we bring you our first feature program. In this first feature, we take a look at youth devotion to the Rosary. As Archbishop Butitlachali of the Archdiocese of Johannesburg said in a recent interview with myself, that Mary appeared to three little children at Fatima, and that that goes to show that youth have a very special role in the church. So I decided to find out what activities are being carried out by the youth department during this Marian month. So I spoke to the administrator of the Archdiocese of Johannesburg Youth Department, Sister Juliana Mary Abioye, who belongs to the congregation of the Sisters of the Eucharistic Heart of Jesus. We are within the Marian month, and it's not just any Marian month. This year marks, of course, the 100th anniversary of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima in Portugal. Hence, uh, we're having a great celebration this coming Saturday at the Cathedral of Christ the King and in many other parts of the world. And of course, Pope Francis going to Portugal and uh, canonizing the two shepherds. In the Archdiocese of Johannesburg, as the youth department, how do you spread the word to the youth about the importance of praying the Rosary? Uh, thank you, Sheila, for having me with you this uh, day. The youth Archdiocese of uh, Johannesburg. Actually, we've been trying our best, even at our meet at our, uh, our leaders' conference last Saturday. We also. Present to the young people, Mary being our mother, she intercedes for us then with her son Jesus Christ, and then praying the rosary is very very important and vital to young people because that is where their intentions are being presented to God, their challenges are being presented to God. So as a natural thing, when we come together, we include our lady in our activities, and being the month of May. A month that is dedicated to Our Lady all over the world. Uh, I encourage the young people to pray their rosary as youth groups and also as an individual. They can also pray together with the family if their work or their studies does not, I mean, I mean, pose a challenge to them. But I have discussed with few of them saying, uh, on my way to school, I pray my rosary in the bus, in the car. I listen to 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 to, to tape, and I pray along with the with the tape. 
So our lady are totally been helping us even as a match dolphins, youth, because uh, whenever we are having program, we always pray f- to God through her for the success of the of the program. Our lady appeared to the young three children at Fatima. So it shows that young people are very close to the heart of Our Lady and to the heart of God. When we are childlike in our attitude, we always encourage, we always encounter Our Lady. And she speaks to us also because we know in our daily lives, in our, in our event of life, she, she's present with us. And we, through, through praying the rosary, we get answers to also our, our petitions just as she did for the three young um, uh, people in Fatima, uh, that's Jacinta, Francisco, and then Lucia. I suppose that having you, sister, in the youth department also is a, is a bit encouraging for the young people. Seeing such a young person as yourself, who's already a sister, you have devoted your life to religious life. And I, I'm quite sure you, you entered religious life quite early in life, isn't it? Yes, Sheila. How do you use that aspect of your life to encourage more young people to get closer to Mary? As a young person myself, and entering religious life very young, I never stopped praying the rosary. In fact, uh, apart from the communal rosary, I pray daily. I pray also my own private rosary as a person. And uh, Our Lady has never failed me. Even while in formation house, I pray that she intercede and help me throughout my formation. And I present to her, if it's really my call, she should actually help me throughout my formation and my life as a, as a religious. And she never ceased to do that. Uh, so my, there is no intention uh, particularly attached to Mary as in employing her. And I've never received it. And uh, I also always give the testimony to, to the people. Wherever I'm going to, wherever I'm going to speak, wherever I'm going, to, wherever I'm going to speak to, or talk to, or listen to, I always pray that she help me to open my mind to say what God wants me to say, and at the same time to be able to receive the message that God has for me. So to to, to young people, just as I have received uh, through uh, intercession, whatever intention I've asked, uh, because like I said, she has never failed, uh, and I want the young people to also trust. Why praying the rosary? Meditating on the mystery is very, very important. So that one is not distracted while praying the rosary. Very true, very true, sister. And I like the fact that you mentioned that Mary appeared to three shepherd children, meaning that she's very close to the youth. That's something that uh, Archbishop Butitlachali also said to me recently in an interview talking to us about our Lady of Fatima, and how she's very close to youth and how the youth have quite an important role to play in the church, that they should use this message as a tool to give them that courage, that strength, and that motivation to be more active in the church. And I, I, also, be, and I also know and believe that if the young people present their education to Our Lady, she would definitely intercede for them. Even those of them who are working for them to be able to be effective at their places of work, they need to also employ the, the, employ the intercession of Our Lady, and she's going to actually help them through. Just as um, Pope Francis said uh, to the pilgrim at the Pista Square, that the young people should learn to pray the rosary. Uh, 
presenting their day to God, and then also asking for the healing of, of the sick through the intercession of Our Lady. And even he also, he also employed employ the, the newly word to imitate the love of Our Lady, the love Our Lady has for God, that they should also employ that for one another. Because it is only when they are, they, they are in love with uh, God that they can actually show more the love they have for each other. So Our Lady is really a model for everybody. And especially to the young people, I would say that uh, she, 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 she really loves the young people. And if the young people present themselves to Our Lady, just as I have done, she will always never, uh, she will never uh, deny our, our prayer. She will always present it to God. So it's good the young people start their day with Our Lady, present every challenges they have and every success. It wouldn't matter that they are going to God through Our Lady to present their challenges. The success for also needs to be also ascribed to God by going back to say thank you for the favors they received. And what are your final words with regards to uh, Saturday, the 13th of May? I would say that the young people should come out in number and join the, 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 the program that the Archdiocese has uh, put in place for, for, for our Archdiocese. We'll be having the rosary, we'll be having procession, we'll be having mass with the Archbishop. And I think the program starts by 9 o'clock. So it is a day for the young people to profess what they also believe is part of the dogma of the church. That is what we believe that the mother of God. There's no way I want to you want to get something from me and, and from, from me and maybe I've I've said no. But if you go to through my mom, I will not say no to my mom. And that is the role our lady plays with us and Jesus. If we go through her uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, because of the love she has for her mom, will never deny us, uh, deny us, deny us of our of our petitions. So uh, I will encourage the young people to come out in number to be part of this uh, great event of, that, uh, of the uh, centenary celebration of uh, Lady of Fatima that will be taking place in our uh, Archdiocese here at the cathedral. And now a look at International Nurses Day 2017. Nurses play a critical role in providing primary health care services, particularly at grassroots levels in clinics and community health centers. The International Nurses' Day, observed annually on the 12th of May, is named after Florence Nightingale, who was born on the 12th of May in 1820 and is respected and honored for changing the face of nursing from mostly untrained profession to a highly skilled and well-respected medical profession, as well as turning the nursing profession into patient-centered work. The theme for 2017 International Nurses' Day is Nursing a Voice to Lead, Achieving the Sustainable Development Goals. 80-plus, as she eloquently puts it, Mrs. Kekane is a retired nurse who is now based in the Archdiocese of Pretoria. She is a hard-working woman who is still quite involved with serving her community. 
Together with CATHCA, the Catholic Health Association of South Africa, Mrs. Kekana, have started a health screening program which is free of charge to parishioners. Mrs. Kekana believes that the reason most people die of non-communicable diseases is because they don't do health screening tests. But by offering such tests at a parish level, one is able to help save lives. Today, I gave Mrs. Kekana a call to wish her a happy International Nurses' Day. Yes, thank you very much, Sheila, for coming to me on this special day where we rejoice and uh, we cherish our profession as nurses following Florence Nightingale. You know, uh, what comes to mind is uh, our, you know, we've got our vow as nurses. This reminds us of our, the vow that you took immediately when you completed your course as a nurse. And one of, I have to quote Mrs. Lasky, she's late, but she is the one who explained what nursing is to us. And it remained indelible in my mind. The first one is she said, look, uh, nurses on our inauguration day, said, look, nurses, it's not the uniform, that touched uniform that makes you a nurse. It's not those epaulets, it's not those bars that reach your elbow that makes you a nurse. But what makes you a nurse is the number of people that you have assisted, the number of people that meet you in the street and say, oh, my nurse, thank you, here am I. I'm healthy again. The number of people that say, thank you for your thought. Uh, you know, I've got that child, the advice that you give me the, uh, gave me the other day. This is what makes you a nurse, and not the uniform, neither the epaulets, neither the degrees that you have. They don't make you a nurse. So today on this day, we are reminding ourselves that, look, uh, the vow that we t- took, are we, we are looking at ourselves, that are we really uh, keeping it? Are we make practically in- implementing it even after, after retirement? Or we only did it for money during those days. Sheila, I've written a book about my nursing career. Yes. It's unfortunate that I, I, at the moment uh, it's not printed, but it's all about this nursing, what nursing is all about. And the question that I'm asking is that, is nursing still a calling or is it a gainful employment? During our time, Sheila, nursing was a calling. You had your conscience all the time on your patients. Whenever you're off at home, you would think of the patients that you left that were critical or ill. And the first thing, you would even take a phone and ask, how, how is a patient so-and-so that I left who was so critical? But not today. And that is what nursing is all about. And we are reminding ourselves and we are saying to the upcoming nurses, this is what nursing is all about. We are explaining what nursing is. It's not money that we are there. It's a calling from God. And it's a, it's a service that is, that is following in Jesus' steps. Because he went about healing people, uh, removing them from suffering, helping even raising people from the dead that people loved. And that's 
what our duty is all about, to, to save lives, to alleviate pain on all our people, and to reach out to those that are unable to reach us. That is what we are reminding ourselves today. And we are thinking up about our heroes, Florence Nightingale, you know, not only Florence Nightingale and uh, <clears throat> the nurse the in Kimberley who brought nursing to South Africa. We are reminding ourselves about that. Mostly, we are reminding the new nurses about what nursing is all about. So that when you enter this profession, you must know that it's a profession of sacrifice. It's a profession of empathy, sympathy. It's a profession where you, you, you look for those that are in need, not those that can smile at you and give you something, but at those that are in need. And those that are far, far away, how are we reaching them? That is what we are doing today, Sheila. Yeah, that's true. And hence, uh, look at you. We remember our heroes. You are one of the heroes too. I mean, you've been retired for so many years, but you continue with your with your vocation. This is a vocation. It's not just a career. It's a vocation. You were called to serve the people by being there and being a nurse. And that's exactly what, you were do, what you're doing up until now. And I think you'll be doing this up until your last breath. That's what I'm aiming at, Sheila. Yeah. I am aiming at, and I want to also to, to reach far, to be an example. You know, if you just talk, people just think, ah, oh, she is that. But if you reach the people, and uh, with your osteoarthritis, you know, the knees that are painful, but reaching them and saying to them, people, uh, we are our brother's keepers. Let's preach health. Let's preach health from the biblical point of view. Let's preach health practically and render it and make it accessible to the people that are in need. Because health in South Africa is very expensive, very expensive. So me to start with that and NCDs, the NCD are non-communicable diseases. I first saw this uh, advert from uh, a document from the Department of Health that the number of people that were dying were escalating. The numbers were escalating, even competing those of HIV AIDS. I said, uh-uh, no, something must be done here. That's why we picked up on the screening, so that people must uh, know their status before they reach a, a complication before the, the disease becomes complicated and uncontrollable, or they suffer uh, for a long time treatment, and the treatment at the end of it is death. Mother's Day is coming up this Sunday. What lovely memories come to mind when you think of Mother's Day? Oh, that one, uh, Sheila. We also think of our children. We want to set an example to our children because they are the mothers of tomorrow. If we don't set the examples by precept and example and leading and showing them practically the how we love them. Because Jesus said, as I loved you, love one another as I loved you. That is the message for our Mother's Day. 
that love one another as I love you. We want families to come together. There's nothing that builds a person's character like love. To belong. To belong, to have people that really love and care for you. And that's what we are offering on our Mother's Day. The love to our children. The care and remind them how they grow up and that they must inherit this. When we throw the baton down, they must pick up the baton and this is the future mothers of tomorrow. I wish you a very, very happy Mother's Day. Ah, thank you so much. I need that at this moment. It <laughs> <laughs> gives me strength and energy to go on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for being the person that you are, the mother that you are to so many, and not just uh, through your nursing skills, but also with what, with your knowledge, with your love, uh, spreading love, spreading, um, you know, reaching out to others, wanting to help others, and wanting to teach others as well. So thank you so much for all that you do. I look forward to talking to you more often. You're very inspiring, and uh, you have a lot to tell our listeners, not just our listeners, all of us, we have a lot to learn from you, and I wish that that book gets printed eventually, hey? Because we need to read that book. Thank you very much, Sheila, for your time, and I'm I'm ready to uh, to also inf- keep you uh, dated with the progress of our screening project and our health care and safety within our parishes. Because those are practical issues that we want to offer. And that is the way our life must be shaped as Christians and as Catholics. And be proud for that. Thank you very much. And I'd like to take this opportunity to wish all mothers, especially my mom, a happy Mother's Day. Well, that brings me up to time. This has been your Friday's edition of Catholic View. I'll be back again on Tuesday evening at the same time. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to keep warm. God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirish.